In this episode, we are going to be talking about planning your curriculum. So these are going to be the essentials that you need to build an excellent curriculum for your school. Hello, we're live, episode 42, and today we're talking about curriculum planning, things that you'll be able to implement in the current curriculum that you have in your school and the ways that you can help your students enjoy what you're teaching at the absolute highest peak of potential. Nice. <laughs> I kind of wing that a little bit. <laughs> Good. Wow. So the, the microphone mishaps. I always forget that we have mics on. We have Stefan telling us what we're doing. What we're doing our, production, our production manager back there right. in the back. Good. Stuff in productions back there. Sir, that's not an energy drink, by the way. This is yeah. a sparkling water drink. With so let's get to it. Okay. So <laughs> when we are planning our curriculum, I think it's important that we take the time necessary to make this an exceptional part of your business. Huge. And not just a copycat Good night. or a continuation of something that was created in 1982. Right. I think the first step of this is, and we talk a lot about business planning and whatnot, but the first step that I see is describing your vision, trying to figure out what is your focus, what objectives do you need, and what do your students need? And once you're able to do that, then you go back. And if you have a curriculum from 1982, that's awesome. How do you retrofit that right. for something that's necessary today? And is it what you're interested in teaching? Yeah. And I think... Uh, it's also important that you figure out what are you wanting to accomplish with this curriculum. Right. What we did was I, I start with what do I want my black belts to look like? Mm -hmm. what, I want, what do I want them to know? Mm -hmm. What are the things that they need to learn in order for me to look at them like a legitimate black belt? Absolutely. So what we did, which is probably what most people do, is just follow the Kukiwan system. Mm -hmm. And I think there's power behind that because... It's an international recognized organization where if people are calling and they're like, well, what are you teaching? Then it's backed up by something that's uh, legitimate. legitimate. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. The, the same thing in my school, we go back and we say that I want black belts that can you know, compete like this at this level. And this yep. is my concept of what a black belt would have to look like. And so everything that we do from there kind of mirrors that process along the way that eventually we hope that those kids will show up at the black belt levels and, and look like rock stars. Yep. It's a, it's a real challenge. I think most people, like you said, I, I believe wholeheartedly that we take the curriculum that our instructors made for yeah. us, you know, 1970s and, and beyond and, and start to come in and we teach that. And sometimes, you know, there's so many different iterations of what is a curriculum from like a one page synopsis of what we're teaching to full on books of curriculum material. Right. Uh, I think it like that's, that's why it's so important for you to really take a deep dive into what is good for you and your program. What would you think step one is? Uh, I'd say starting from, are you step one of starting from an old curriculum or step one of developing a new one? Um, let's go with developing a new one. All right. So if you're going to develop a brand new curriculum, again, I think step one is to imagine what your, do your research on what you want your black belts to be. 
right? That's the most important thing. So what do you want them to know? Whether it's going to be, you know, if you said, I want them to have some jujitsu skills, I want them to have these things that we want them to come prepackaged with that. And you work your way backwards from there is to start saying, then what does your red belt look like? What does your blue belt look like? What does your green belt look like? And those, yep. but mainly it's just identifying what all do you have interest in teaching and also taking uh, inventory of who you have around you and what you can, what you can pull from your own experiences, or if you're going to be going off of something else, but you got to know what tools do you have in order to be able to teach this. Sure. And if we're specifically talking about Taekwondo, there are only a certain number of techniques that you could be teaching Absolutely. before you start just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I think just starting with your basic or not even basic, but just the techniques that your organization association that you are involved with are uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. So then figure out what that complete list is and then figure out how many belts mm-hmm. that you're going to have. And then you start dividing up which, which techniques are going to be taught for each belt level. Mm-hmm. Cause what happens is I think is we'll, um, not think this through mm-hmm. and you'll teach like 15 techniques to one belt and then three belts in right before black belt, there's nothing else to teach. Yep. So if you've basically crammed everything in the beginning and then towards the end, it's just a bunch of repetitive yep. so habits that you you're gotta, trying to create. You got to really kind of take a, an idea and really disassemble it and rebuild it again. And I think what you're saying, I've seen schools that bring kids in for intros and they're doing like flying sidekicks on day one. Like their first class in. And what are they doing it for? They're trying to build up some excitement and whatnot. And I get that. And so the next thing I think we're all guilty of is just thinking of our our curriculum like a pyramid and – or a different model. And I think a lot of times we start out with a pyramid model where at the bottom is a whole bunch of stuff and the higher we get, the less there is to teach. And our rationale for it in our own mind is to start going back and saying, well, now once you get up to the top, there's not as much for you to learn. You're supposed to be practicing it and then magically you become a master. And I think I like your approach better, which is to try to keep it more like a pole. So it goes straight up and it's layered and and it helps to keep the student engaged because every time they get a new belt, there's something unique. And I think just really considering this rotating curriculum idea, mm-hmm. and we just adopted it probably about a year ago, maybe six months ago. And essentially what we do is we have three belts that uh, we consider, actually first two belts are beginner, next three belts are intermediate, the next three belts are advanced. And then within each program level, so beginner, inter- intermediate, advanced, they're all learning the same hand techniques, the same foot techniques. Mm-hmm. The only thing that changes is that they'll be learning a uh, two co- uh, kick- kicking combinations that'll rotate and then also a different form. But what this does, it, it helps your instructors not have to teach three different curriculums in the same group, right. which is almost impossible. It's like trying to teach a first, second, and third grader in the exact same group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all the same, like all different requirements. So obviously we do a, a version of a rotating curriculum as well. And I think that's something that's I mean, like you just nailed it on the head. It's way easier to be able to teach that way. Um, I think it's, it's interesting because how you break down belts. I saw just recently on a Facebook group, somebody had asked how many belts do you have in your system? And I, I sat back and I think like, why in the world can we have just an unlimited number of these things? It just seems kind of funny to me that you've got camo blue, camo purple, camo green, cam- and then all of a sudden you've got we, all the rest of them. Yeah, can we pause for a second and just quickly discuss the camo belt? Like, Which one, the glamo? Like the, the pinky purple one? Whatever, or the- like... <laughs> 
if there's any pattern that resembles a camo, like what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I w I'm being careful with my thoughts. I want to just Why? trash. I feel like it's just garbage. And if you're giving <laughs> those to your students, I just feel like you should be embarrassed for yourself. Yeah. I it's just, I, I don't know. I, I guess it all, it's gimmicky to me. It's, it's so gimmicky. And it's, it would only make sense is if you're teaching martial arts in the army or in the military <laughs> so they can be hidden from right <laughs> like, in case they're having to train oh, in gosh. combat. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, come on. Like really, what are we doing? Yeah. Like a camo belt well, or a pink, pink belt. Right. A I thought that was, belt. well, that was, that could be a, or it's a red master, belt. Master kin. Uh, exactly. But, <laughs> yeah. Or it could be a red belt. You put in the wash and you put too much bleach in. Yeah. I go back. I just think I'm more of a traditionalist and that's just me. And I, and honestly, I don't mean to be offensive to people that are out there listening. If you do some of those crazy things, I just think that that's well, what is tradition. And so somebody's, somebody's still created it, white though. to black right. is tradition. But the, uh, I understand that, but but do you understand, though, that tradition's only created by another human being? It was It's just now tradition because it's been going on for a long amount of time. Right. I, I think what I but would I say... But I think if you're using logic and you're using your own simple business taste, yeah. you would look at a camel belt and go, like, how, how is that a good decision? It just doesn't look good. But again, I go back to... It's easy in my school. The idea behind competition is there's yellow, green, blue, and red. Okay. That's it. I don't really need room nor have reason for room for any of the other colors that you could add into this thing. It doesn't right. make any sense. Um, and, and in regards to how many belt colors you have, I think in Taekwondo, it's pretty lined out that there are 10 gups. Yep. So if you go from 10th being white all the way down to first, I suppose you could put whatever color you wanted next to it. But at the end of the day, you really got to, I mean, there's 10. Again, yeah. And it's... It just comes down to what is going to be tasteful or not. Yeah. Like primary well, colors, like you just said. Yeah. The ones Some you just variation yeah, of that. You just, know. But anyways. So back to curriculum. Um, so I think, like you said, the rotating curriculum makes it super nice because you're teaching yeah. beginner, intermediate, advanced. How, how, do you, how do you think about breaking down those classes? So before we jump all the way back into the curriculum itself, uh, I personally look at it like this. I want to have white, yellow who are white and yellow tip. I'm sorry, I have the uh, intermediate yep. belt there, but white and yellow tip is a subset. They're kind of on their own program. And then yep. beginner is yellow through green, basically. Uh, it, I'm sorry, I said beginner. Yeah, intermediate is the blue tip through what you'd be brown or red tip. Okay. And then advanced would be red and above. What? It, how do you break down your beginner, intermediate, and advanced? Three belts, three belts, three belts. No, we do two, three, three. Two, three, three, so that's eight. So white belts, I'm sorry, it's four groups. Okay. So we usually will have white belts by themselves. One, and then three, three, three. Yep. No, no, no. White, yellow, orange, and then we have green, purple, blue, brown, red, black tip. One, two, three, three. 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 That's nine. And then, and then we have rack black by them. As the rack blacks actually will start going training with the black belts. So we did, um, our first cup is black tip. And then we go into uh, recommended black belt is the Chodon bow as the actual traditional waiting period between color belt system and black belt system. Yeah. And they so. still, they still have to wait five to eight sure. months. Yeah. Uh, so, but it really just comes down to what's going to fit the time frame of what you're wanting a white belt to go through in order to become a black belt. Some that, people will do like two years. I've heard of one year. Um, I just think three years is, is makes the most sense. It's easy for 
for a child to stick with something for three years for a consistent ba- on a consistent basis, that's pretty impressive. impressive. Um, and it, but it really, it just comes down to how you, are you viewing that black belt? Like mm-hmm. for me, I don't like, I don't care about the belts and I'll, I will tell the parents this straight up. I don't care about the belts, mm-hmm. but we still need them mm-hmm. to keep your child motivated to come to class. And right. it's just a visual way to show their progress right. for us instructors, as well as the parents, but most importantly for that child everybody needs short-term long-term goals it's funny because you could get into some really interesting conversations with real traditionalists about do the belts matter and how do the belts matter and different people and coming from all over the place and there's a lot of people that put really heavy emphasis on that belt system in the junior senior process and and all of that which i i respect it i do respect the the people who take it that seriously but i just put their character and how they act as people as the highest priority. Yep. And so that that all in itself goes back to how you described your vision. And we, the very first point that I made was the idea that what do you want your school to look like? And then you define what that black belt is based on those things. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is that they, they believe in one definition of what a black belt is, and that's their definition. Right. And we, there's very little room in there for us to try to redefine that. And it really needs to be understood as it's a business. And as a business, then this is what we are going to do and how we're going to label it. And so I don't really even come if in it, with that. But rating. here's the thing. Even if it was a nonprofit and you're not trying to uh, make a profit, then you still have to make, you have to create an organized system. Right. Even charities, they all have to follow the same principles a business does. Mm-hmm. It's just at the end, it's not a for-profit organization but they still are organized even like even my church i go to a big church they run it like a business has to but they have to because that's the only way that you can get people to all be on the same page to all work towards the same goal to make sure everybody's getting taken care of but when you just haphazardly just do it how you feel that day yeah that's not going to end in in any good terms right and it's just is non-repeatable and that's where i go back to saying like as a business then you need to make sure that like I would, I would always, for me right now and where I am in my career, I think of all of the decisions that I make, like, is this repeatable if I open up a new school tomorrow? Exactly. And yeah. if you're thinking about that, then you're probably on the right track. Yeah. So um, another thing that we haven't talked about yet is thinking about the experiences along the way. And I know that this is, I, I have a couple of ideas in my head of where you would take experience, but I know some schools that add in a lot of things that could be um, like community service hours yep. and, and mentoring hours yep. and all that kind of stuff. But that's something else that you have to try to put into your curriculum as well. And that goes kind of maybe back to your point about character driven and what do you want people to do? Right. And it all comes down to how is it correlated to the end result? Mm-hmm. Like how do you want, how is that going to help? that student become that that person or that thing that you want them to become. But then also, I think it's important that you have to figure out when is a good time to introduce this to them. Right. Like when it would be appropriate where they can handle right. that big of a project or that skill or sure. whatever. So for example, like you said, you're not going to teach a white belt a flying sidekick because right. it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Except that's, for those schools that do teach that. Right. Thing. It's just a kind of a complex. You know who you are. Exactly. <laughs> you know who you are. So no, it, just, it just comes down to, again, something I always talk about is put the time and effort that's required, but also 
conscious thought mm-hmm. into your curriculum. Don't just half-ass it and be like, oh, this is kind of what we did before, so we're just going to try to do this anyways and wing it as we go. That never works. It, yeah. This never and you have to think that. about they have to think about the experience through the perspective of the student too. Oh, that's huge. Being able that's to actually huge. put yourself in the right. shoes of the person. I go back to uh, what problems are you solving for the person? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this all the time and putting it in perspective to the conversation that you have with your parents too, not your parents, but your students' parents. So the, the thought that I'm, I'm coming up with two ideas in my head that I see a lot of schools do, I think they're super relevant, super important, but at the same point, I'm not sure that we're tying it into that long-term vision. Number one, uh, grade cards. Bring in your grade card. We want to know what kinds of grades you're getting. Yep. Yep. Sounds awesome. But again, is there a reason why? Right. So what happens if the grades aren't what you want? Do you do anything about it? Right. Right. And if if the end goal is for all of your black belts to have a 4.0 and that your parents are signing on because that's one of your guarantees, then that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But if you just look at the grade card, you don't really care. Then asking and for you're the doing grade it because you copied off somebody else's curriculum doesn't make any sense. Right. The same. Another one is leadership, and you mentioned not talking uh, or talking, not teaching white belts flying sidekick, for example. Yeah. Same deal. Says you want somebody to come in and you want them to lead part of your class. Makes sense. I, you see a lot of intermediate belts that help out with beginners or advanced belts that help out, you know, in in a class, and it kind of helps with your pipeline to find out who can do these things. But taking a person who is unprepared to lead and putting them up in the front of the people can be detrimental to their progress. Right. And I, I always think it's something that's required. But at the same token, what did you do to actually get them ready to do that thing? Correct. Most of the time, they were in class, in class, in class, and then it's all right, your turn. Right. But you never taught them leadership but you're expecting them to do it. It's just, it just comes down to making sure that each step of the way for them to do whatever you want them to do, again, has been well thought out. Mm-hmm. You've really um, did everything you could to make it the best way it, c- it can be. And just again, making it so the student can handle it and they are able to be successful at it. Right. What do you think about outside resources for this. I I made a note thinking of things like um, partners that you might have, uh, mentors that you could be leaning on, and then also uh, just other resources that exist. You know, YouTube is obviously the ultimate resource for a lot of people. Yeah, but you get a lot of crap. Yeah, a lot of crap up there, (laughs) on there. But but there are other DVD sets or things like that that you can- By the way, some of that crap has like 3 million views. Well, probably because it's crap. Really? I yeah, you know, like how often you like, hey, watch this video of this but terrible it's not, person. I don't. But it's not like I understand what you're saying because there's there's a good video and then there's like. Do you really share like, the this good is videos? Boring. Like this is boring. Like, what is do, this? Do you share the good ones? So like, if you find a drill that you love, do you send it to me? I would, but yes, I would. You, you never send me those. What I get is I don't the, find them. The dancing monkey videos. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't find them. <laughs> Like, where are they? Like, show me. I'll share it with you all day long. Uh, but I I don't know. Whatever. We're getting off topic. No, no. Because it's the idea there of, of finding those videos and things that you want to be able to utilize and then sharing it with your staff and sharing it with others that you would be able to build your curriculum from. Is, is it a good idea to get feedback from other people? Absolutely. Right. Is it a good feedback to... Is it good feedback? Is it a good idea to get feedback from you know, like a mentor or other people who've done it? Yes. One of the best things I ever did was go and visit other martial arts schools mm-hmm. around the country. Right. I probably have visited maybe eight to 10 of them. And I want to keep doing more and more. I just need to find the time and, or make the time. Because this gives you a whole different perspective. And you might 
pick up little nuggets here and there that you can implement into your program. But if you don't do this, your mind is going to be so small on how you're creating your, your curriculum. And you're really going to be leaving out a lot of potential valuable things that you could be giving your students right and I, I think we said that kind of the idea of the experiences that meet your students needs you got to think about for yourself um, if if you've only seen the four walls that you grew up doing martial arts and yeah. I mean I was I was a I remember being young and seeing uh, your father's bio and in my mind wondering like, well, when do I get to be an internationally certified referee and a da 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 da? Yeah. And when can I do all of these things? And in order to get any of those things, you needed to go out and, and explore the world a little bit. Sure. And we, we most oftentimes don't allow our students to go too far outside of the dojo. Dojong. So, dojo. Dojo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's just have a moment of silence for what he just said. I always say dojo when I'm being facetious, but <laughs> I, uh, it's true though. We don't let our students maybe experience it very much a lot of times because we're trying to control their experiences yeah. and make sure they're having a good time. Right. But at that point, then you also, what you just told people to do, uh, for them as the leader to go out and explore, we need to make sure that those experiences exist, whether we do other in school tournaments with groups or we do, um, you know, educational exchanges or camps or things like that to give people an opportunity to see a little bit about what martial arts could be outside. Um, what do you think about the next one being tools? One of the things that I love about tools in the curriculum, I think of title boxing and, and whatnot. When you walk in, there's a, a bag, a heavy bag for every person. They've got their boxing gloves and their wrist wraps and, and their water bottle and their you know, plyo box or whatever. And I, I like the concept of little stations. But in our, in our classroom... Um, it doesn't really fit all the time, but I yeah. know that we have shields, paddles, yep. you know, whatever. I think if you're thinking about sport training like I do, then we have a lot of fitness tools. Yeah. If you're doing groundwork, then you might have specific mats that you're looking for. If you're doing a lot of bag drills, then obviously you have a right. lot of bags. But right. do you think people ever think about the tools that they're going to be using in regards to the curriculum that they're planning? Some might. Uh, we actually don't as much as probably we should. But we definitely use the paddles heavily. We do the shield sometimes. We actually probably use the paddles the most. Yeah, target. It's like 90% of our class. Mm -hmm. Because for me, the curriculum is not, and this is something that's very important. The curriculum is not there to keep your students engaged. Right. It's just basically the navigation for your instructors. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the engagement is always going to come from the instructor. Right. It's not going to come from your your amazing curriculum. It's not going to come from these gimmicky little little things that you might throw at them, um, weapons and such. And we do weapons, but again, it's not going to be a tool for engagement. So that's why it's so important that, of course, you have a good curriculum, but you have to have instructors who are engaging and who are trained well enough to keep that engagement from start to finish for the classes. Right. So that brings up another point that I had in here, which was to develop the plans and methods and processes for the curriculum that you had. Do you guys, um, I guess, have your instructors dive into creating actual lesson plans? Um, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth and we've tried this, but... I don't think it works based on the schedule that we have. 
if our students were all consistently coming at the same time, same days every week, mm-hmm. yeah, we can easily do that. But unfortunately, they don't. Mo- a lot of them, they will come on the same days, but we never know exactly how many people we're going to have. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know the, um, the level of student you're going to have. So based on that, it's very hard to make detailed lesson plans. I think we could make just kind of rough lesson plans. Mm-hmm. Stefan, you do, right? Kind of. Yeah. Right. I, I don't just because like, I've been teaching so long. But. Yeah, it's kind of a challenge. I like a few things. I do um, like a weekly warm-up where the warm-up is the same for the whole week okay. or a similar. Yep. Um, and depending on the class or the level, then yep. they're a little different. Then we've got the things that you're going to cover, yep. which would be like your basics. And so you define what are those basics going to be. And then the next part about that goes into your instructor training where yeah. then the instructor would say, here are like five different ways you could teach these basics. We do have a Stripe schedule. Mm-hmm. So and so you know stress. what you're teaching in regards yeah. to that. So, yeah. for, so for example, uh, right now we're on light green, so we know that that's what we need to be hitting. Yep. But we also know in a couple of weeks, or maybe next week, we have combinations. Yep. So you better be teaching Practicing them combinations the now, so then next week they'll be competent with that particular thing that's required for that stripe. Right. So it kind of keeps everybody in line uh, with making sure that they're teaching their students on time for all the specific skills. Because mm-hmm. again, it goes, it goes back to starting from the end. So we have a 13 week stripe schedule and this is all pre-planned for the entire year for years mm-hmm. until we change it. Hopefully we don't ever change it again, but then we just go backwards. So at 13 weeks, when we have our belt assessment, I know that the student needs to know their form really, really well right. and be able to perform it in front of the parents in a, really good way mm-hmm. they need to know the combinations they, they need to know their starting ending positions for the blocks they need to know their kicks they need to know their breaking so then if i know what are my objectives are i know what i need to be doing today right to get there yeah and then teaching the instructors to be able to go down the list and right. say okay so here we are approaching week seven so where are my students like yeah. trying to get a little a little kind of visual right. on them i actually go a little step farther than that where we we have our combinations but we also want to be able to have um like each week a lesson that like for example we're going over back kick and so the execution of a back kick and then throughout the week you might get a couple of different kind of takes on how you want to set this up how you want to execute mm-hmm. it but all week long is back kick so it could be speed drills partner drills timing drills right. etc and then there's but we have the the breakdown of from a curriculum standpoint the breakdown of what are the things that we're always going to teach what are the things that we have to teach and what are the things that are optional? And so yeah. the haves to teach are the things that you kind of described, right. which is starting ending positions, combinations, forms. That's the objective for the test. Yeah. Then there's the other objective, which is the Taekwondo knowledge. Sure. And that kind of changes things a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that works. That works well. I like it. So I guess at the end of the day, as we as we kind of settle these things in here, I kind of do a little recap off what I what I thought. So we de- describe your your vision, or you think about what your vision for your curriculum needs to be. You got to identify what are you going to utilize for tools to be able to get your curriculum to be made. Think about the experiences that are going to meet your uh, students' needs. Uh, organize yourself, and then create the specifics, those desired outcomes. Like you said, by week twelve, by week thirteen, we want this thing done. And then finally, you develop your plans and your process is if you have a lesson plan or something similar to get yourself in there and then also the instructor training portion of that sure. make sure that that's a thought process and then you teach and i like that one i saw that on your list you have to teach yeah because that's the only way you can create it and this is something that i've 
realized recently mm -hmm. is the only way you're going to come up with new drills and new things for your curriculum is you've got to actually teach. Right. And I know there are, there are uh, business owners out there who kind of want to be the quote unquote president or CEO which for like a little yeah. small business, which right. is funny, but whatever you can call what, call yourself, whatever you want. But where they just want to kind of sit in the background and then run the business, right. but they don't ever teach. They don't really do much. Yep. It's like, how can you create a curriculum? The only solution for that would be to have one of your instructors who's very knowledgeable and then they can do it. Right. I don't like that because then you're exposing, you really exposed in risk because if that person leaves, you don't even know the curriculum. Right. Now you, you don't even know anything life. about the curriculum. For me, I am maybe a strong-headed person, mm -hmm. maybe, where I want to be able to do anything in my business at the drop of a dime. Right. So I guess if somebody, that if somebody quits or somebody like leaves for some reason, I want to be able to get in there, be able to do their job just like they were doing, if not better. Right. And then hire somebody else and then replace them. Right. And that's, that's a good, that's a good way to be. I think the, um, I like committees, like having groups of people that are yep. doing things. And then that way, if you're having a curriculum committee, if you yep. would, then the, there are always four or five people that are engaged in doing that. That's probably better. Cause then everybody kind of has the, unless everybody in the idea. committee left and then you've right. probably got then all you're kinds screwed. of problems. Yeah. <laughs> So that's perfect. Well, guys, that is a little talk on curriculum for the week. Um, again, this is probably the most important thing for your business since this is exactly what you're delivering to the customer. Yep. Um, and it, obviously above and beyond even just the marketing of this because you can market all day long and get people in. But if your curriculum is terrible, then you're, you're mediocre. Yeah. You can do a really good job of recruiting. But if you can't keep them, then that's a whole other problem. But I will reiterate what, what my counterpart here said where it is not about the curriculum itself. It's about how you teach it is what ultimately keeps those people engaged. So the curriculum is your GPS. But that boat is not going anywhere unless you have the manpower or the engine to make it go forwards, which is going to be your instructors and your staff. So you have to have both. Yes, you can not have a good curriculum and have incredible engaging instructors. Right. But then everybody's going to be going all in different directions and you're not all going the same in the same direction. Yeah. So it's important you have both. And that also includes your business systems, but that's another episode. A whole other episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Please do not forget that all of our episodes are available on our YouTube channel. Just search Psychic Success. There's a playlist that's created, and it's, and I just sorted this and cleaned it up. But you can go from episode one, which is pretty comical, all the way up to now, episode 42. So if you're ever looking for specific topics that you want to listen and learn about, then please check that out. We are also on Facebook, so check that out as well. And last but not least, thank you to our sponsor, Best Martial Arts, a.k.a. Sung Musa, a.k.a. Mudo USA. He provided these amazing uniforms. This is the S5. Yeah, this is the S5. nicest, nicest yeah, uniform. The nicest one for Taekwondo. So. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Have a good day.